1: This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by John Dewey, Kevin Dames, Shay Bay, Neely Spicer, Dan Shaw, Ashley Gotassert, Andrew Petty, and all of our Patreon supporters and you, yes you the listener. <laughs> The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Stick back for a moment, if you can, to your very first ultra- What were your expectations for that race before you started? How did you train for that race? What did you learn about running and yourself training and running that race? We get a very interesting look inside someone's first ever ultra. And it wasn't an easy one that they picked. You might have remembered or might remember Vinny Crispino. He is a a former guest. He was on maybe eight months ago he talked about, he's got this incredible story, a man who was in debilitating pain. He learned how to overcome his pain and now he's teaching people to overcome their physical pain. It's called Pain Academy. Vinny Crispino, Pain Academy. He was on the episode. We had a great chat. Well, at that point, he had not run his first ultra, but he said, hey, I'm signed up to run an ultra. Um, And I said, well, call me up when it's all said and done. I want to hear how it went. So I, 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 I get with Vinny we chat a little bit we catch up on what we're dealing with by the way I'm happy to report that not only was was his episode one of the biggest episodes of the year um, the the Pain Academy is doing incredibly well what Vinny is doing what Vinny is teaching is getting out into the world and he's just a great all-around guy Um, but my oh my he has one hell of a story to share about his first ever Ultra holy cow things went wrong oh did they go wrong but things went oh so right, so catching up and enjoying the story of his first ultra on this episode of The Adventure Jogger with Vinny Crispino. By the way, if you haven't listened to Vinny's first episode, you can go to the adventurejogger.com, go to back episodes. It's called Vinny Crispino Pain Academy, worth checking out before you get into this one if you haven't done that already. <laughs> Vinny, you're back. It's so good to see you. How are you, man?
0: It is good to see you, too. I Last time we spoke, I was a boy. <laughs> and now, I'm a man.
1: Yeah, yeah, because a lot of things have happened since the last time we, we spoke. And, and, and if you didn't listen to Vinny's first episode, it's called Vinny Crispino, Pain Academy. And mm-hmm. it was eye-opening it was earth-shattering it was routine changing it was a lot a lot of stuff in that first episode but you had yet to run your first ultra you had run other races other distances but you were not an ultra runner and you kept talking about this far-off race You're like ah, i will be one one with you but it's not yeah. yet you had a 50-miler coming up before we get to how you became a man, how right before yes. our very eyes, little Vitty Crispino went from the little boy that we knew with the great facial hair who looks a bit like Aaron Rodgers um, to yeah. the man that stands before us today. What has been going on other than running with you since the last time we we
0: talked? All right, so other than becoming an endurance a gazelle yeah. and, and having insane endurance, um, man, it, it's just been building my business. Um, things, I, I think I say this every month, mm-hmm. but things are really starting to come together. Really? You know, this is the, the program that I've made, uh, the people that I'm helping the team members, the team that I've built, it's all coming together and we are just growing and helping lives and changing people's lives and those people are referring other people and nobody involved in our program can now like have normal conversations with their family members and friends when they hear that they're struggling they're always bringing them down to the ground and showing them our stuff <laughs> like it's it's just it's catching on and that's a cool thing to see and be a part of.
1: Well, do you think and again this all ties into Vinny's first episode? So please, if you haven't listened to Vinny's first episode, just pause this, go listen, and then just just come back in and this will all make sense. Do you think, Vinny, it's because of the intent? This is this is a like what you're doing is a perfect example of karma working in real life because you're your intent with Pain Academy and helping people to live lives free of pain. For you it was never about, like, I wanna get rich. I'm doing this yeah. for a Bentley, you know? And the guy who helped you came out of nowhere and just kind of showed you these truths and wasn't like, hey, I'm gonna need you to get out a checkbook. Before I show you this, write this checkout before we get too far. This has always been for you. And you can correct me and say, no, I've always done it because I wanted a Bentley. Um, yeah. Helping people is always I am <laughs> in one right now. <laughs> <laughs> this has always been for you about helping people.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the idea of what I'm now living into, the vision of what I'm now living into w- was created from the first experience i had with this work yeah right we're talking breaking my back spending years in the system chasing pain only getting prescription medication i mean it was just so bad for so long man and all of a sudden this this mentor and this guy pops in my life who's like wait a second i i got something different to show you and it was you know it wasn't magic it wasn't a quick fix but it was feeling heard and understood and there's hope again and i know i've got a long road ahead of me but like this road makes sense i'm not like walking blindfolded i can see the distance i have ahead of me but i i now know like how to take steps forward that feeling that i got after an hour and a half of laying on the ground in my first session when i was in debilitating pain for almost half a half a straight decade and then being able to stand up Nobody touching me and moving me, just guiding my body into different positions and rediscovering really simple muscle movements. Like when I stood up, that was the moment that Pain Academy was born. Right. Because that moment, I wanted to give that to every single person in the world who, like me, was maxing out credit cards just to try to feel like okay yeah. at best. Um. So, so this is... It's starting to happen, and I'm starting to see my intention, my vision, live through other people. They're now doing for their friends and family what I did for them, and it's, it's spider webbing. Right. Because
1: isn't it, I mean, you, you made this discovery, and you weren't alone. I mean, you, like millions of people, had so much pain that you're like, oh, why do I even bother with this? Why am I even living at this point? And it and it keeps yeah. you from doing the things that you want to do. It keeps you from the relationships you want to have. It keeps you from everything. And to have that moment of of clarity, that moment of of seeing life can be lived without well managing pain we will always have pain in some sorts in our life we can't live a life Mm -hmm. free of pain and then to be able to offer that to people to formulate your plan and to put pain academy into the world and to see it reacting you know seeing people react with the way they are and helping people i mean for you that has to be incredibly rewarding. I, I'm, I'm I'm happy that you're seeing success, and I, I, from the financial standpoints. But you as a person, that has to be so incredible to be able to do for someone what was done for you years ago, and you're giving someone their life back. That's got to be just amazing to witness
0: yeah you know it's it's amazing to witness it's amazing to be part of and i feel like every day i'm either getting an email not like a hey cool fist bump great job but like somebody pouring their soul into an email saying oh my god thank you and it's freaking awesome i now have everybody on my team i mean it it is a pain academy ritual it is a daily practice When we see success stories and comments and people saying it's doing X, Y, Z for their life, we've got a huge group thread and it's just called Wins. And we are just uploading content to these wins and we're just drinking our own juice, man, every day. It's amazing.
1: That's so cool. And I don't think we ever do that enough. I know for me personally, I I have have hundreds of fantastic reviews on iTunes. That's not to brag. It's to set up the statement. There's hundreds of awesome reviews. There's like maybe ten bad ones. God, do I focus on those bad ones so much? Right yeah, into- <laughs> yeah
0: it's, like- it's it's so bad. I I will have uh, over you know dozens of comments of people saying, "How can I get your help? Where right. are you? Can I talk to you?" And one guy is like, "Look at this idiot with a neck tattoo." <laughs> so I. So I now have stopped my day, and I am dealing with the guy who I need I need. I need his approval. I, I have to have this person like me. This is not acceptable. What did I do wrong in this person's life? And I will ignore the emails, the text messages, the DMs, and just focus on this guy. No followers, no posts. He's just here to ruin somebody's day. And he did it. I know.
1: I know. And it's so funny because, you know, you are you are seeing just an overwhelming shower of joy, right? People going like, Oh man, it's changed my life. It's made me a better person. You've given me my life back, Vinny. But all of a sudden there's like, look at this fucker with a neck tattoo, and you're like, Duck.
0: Yeah, that's not how the body works, and I've studied real estate for six months, and you know it's like stuff that has, it's it. So my growth, what I need to do moving forward is work on that because it's only going to come the bigger this gets.
1: Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, and and that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with the adventure jogger being where it's at right now because I don't know if I could handle more people saying my voice sucks. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah yeah it's uh you know uh why you listen to a guy who doesn't have biceps like they they just they just know how to they they know how to poke they know to poke really well and and i think uh you know what it does it gives me so much more appreciation for people who are in the spotlight Mm -hmm. i mean i'm i'm baby small now right now i think combined between all platforms it's somewhere in the tune of like 300 plus thousand yeah you know, followers. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine the kind of heat people get with double that, with triple that. I mean, it's just,
1: you got to have thick skin. I think you have to hire somebody at that point. Like, you are going to need to hire a person to yeah. be you when you grow to that point. A person that can look at the stupid comment of, like, look at this fucker with a face tattoo and be like, oh, we're just going to scroll right past that and just not even have to worry about that.
0: Yeah. That that's the dream.
1: That's when I know you've made yes. it. When I when I look at, you know, you send me an ad or or an email saying, "Hey Ryan, I'm looking for someone to handle my social media. Do you know anybody?" That's when I'll know Vinny Crispino's made it. That's when I'll know that uh, good things are are happening on your horizon, even though they already are happening, but I will know that that's when the Bentley is is being ordered at the Bentley store.
0: You, you know, it's funny. I uh so I was struggling with uh, just this, this very thing. Uh I made a decision, I think it was about a year ago. Um, Nobody really knew who I was. I mean, I had told my story once or twice, Yeah, and I thought that was enough, right? You're like, like, I've been on the Adventure Jogger podcast.
1: Everybody and their grandma's going to hear this. This is all I need to do.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I, I legitimately thought that some one, one, of my COO, he's like, "Hey, we, you got to get out and share your story more." And I'm like, "I did November twelfth, two thousand eighteen. It's right there. There's the post, <laughs> right. right?" And so, so there is this really big conversation of, uh, you know, I've hidden behind the before and afters. Mm-hmm. I've tried to make other people the main center of focus, yeah and that's been good, right? It's obviously built a foundation, but what this thing is going to need is somebody to step out in front. Show them what's possible. Nobody was knowing what I was doing behind the scenes and how I was showing up every day. I was just kind of like posting vicariously through other people. Yeah, and and I had this this really long talk with my COO, and and we decided that every day I'm going to get out there, I'm going to do stories and Facetimes and and all I'm going to show up. And part of the showing up was dealing with more of like the criticism yeah. and the scrutiny yeah right because it's a lot easier to hide behind x-ray photos than you getting in front of a camera saying hey we can help you oh yeah you're um,
1: incredibly vulnerable when it's you if it's an x-ray yeah. photo you're like yeah we can help with your pain look at this x-ray when it's yeah. your face and you sharing your story it is it puts you in a very vulnerable position
0: yeah, I haven't shaved in like six months and I've got salt from my long runs all over my beard, you know, just snot dripping, not good. Um, and so I, as this like criticism was was mounting and our success was building, both of those things were rising at the same time. Um, I was just getting notifications all day long on my phone, comments and DMs, like I just couldn't escape it. And so what I did was I went to Verizon and I got a second phone. So now I got a personal phone and... The business phone is all social media, but the problem is, is, um, Now I have to walk around with two phones, and (laughs) neither phone is really set up the way it needs to be, and so I've just like doubled my exposure to like electronics and Wi-Fi and have given myself more things to worry about, so it backfired miserably.
1: When you're walking down the street and people see two phone outlines in your jeans, one on each side, they're like, who does this guy think he is?
0: (laughs) The coolest part is when I eat lunch by myself, and I have a phone in (laughs) one hand and a phone in the other hand. I just, you know, (laughs) it's cool. That's a great (laughs) idea. I I look very important. You know...
1: I think the problem Vinny is and, and people can't see this because this is audio only. I can see Vinny because we're video chatting. The problem is you bought two of the exact same phones with the exact same screensaver in the exact same case. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not helping you at all. This is so bad.
0: I should have just bought a flip phone so I don't even have to deal with it. You know? Yes. Old school. Yes. that's
1: you need to go get one of those old Nokias that you, like, you couldn't break. Like You could th- yeah. drop it from an airplane it would just land and you could make a phone call on it.
0: Yeah, you definitely don't have to deal with haters with Nokia because they can't get to you. They literally cannot reach you, and that's the way we we had a golden year. We had some golden years with phones before uh before that stuff came around.
1: That is the truth. So how do you how do you do this, Vinny? How are you going to prepare yourself to go out into the spotlight? Because obviously, what you're doing is working. People are starting to see the results with it. But you do live in this space, Vinny. And I was thinking about this where. People that have come before you and people that have existed in the same space that you are kind of occupying now didn't have maybe the right the right intentions with what they were doing. And it turned out that a lot of the things that they were promising were, were baloney, um, but yeah. they live in that same space that you kind of occupy now and you kind of have to bear the sins of of the less than desirable people that occupied that space before you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, as as frustrating as it's been to run into criticism, first of all, I get it, because yes. I was that guy years ago, just mad and angry that things weren't working for me. So I I actually have empathy towards where these people, like the, the emotional state that mm-hmm. these people are writing from. I get that they're frustrated. I totally understand that. Um, it's, it's pushed me to be more prepared. I can no longer just say what I'm thinking or feeling. I've got to have something to point back to. Yeah. It's a study. It's a cited source. It's something where this information is not just this is what I think and this is my opinion, but like moving closer towards a place of here are the here's the information that supports my views. Here's the information that doesn't support my views. How can I serve up both and no longer be this like preacher on a soapbox and everybody's got to do this and more just here's the information you make the choice.
1: Right? Yeah. I, th- th- I think that'll help quite a bit. I do think that you and I, because we're getting close to, to 2023 you and I need to make the same New Year's resolution and then check back in later to see how we're doing with that New Year's resolution. You and I need to kill the ego in 2023 and be able to look at the, yeah. the uh, this guy's voice sucks and and just not even, not allow it to register like the, masses of other positive comments that you scroll past and we got to make sure that we kill the ego and not let that stuff bother us in 2023.
0: Yeah. I I watched this uh, as, as all vital information comes from Ted talks. Oh yeah. And this guy was, and and the whole speech was about taking things personally. Mm -hmm. And he started off the speech saying, if I walked up to you and said, I hate your blue hair and you don't have blue hair you'd think I'm just an idiot, right? It doesn't matter to you. It's only when people say stuff that we actually think is true, that really bugs us. And and that's the ego work. That's the reflection of if there's a response, then there's some truth of that, that you have to work through. And if you don't, it will keep showing up again and again
1: okay i think i've got it i think we're gonna have the easiest news that that boy did that that hit that hit hard Vinny. boy i, I love that one. i send me that te- i'll look it up or just send yeah, me that yeah. link to that ted talk because i need i need that in my life but we could just we could we could get back together in like middle of 2023 and then you and I can take turns reading bad comments of our products to each other, and just see if
0: it bothers us. <laughs> and if I don't answer, I am crying in the corner because I can't handle it. <laughs> because I, I still feel like a seven-year-old boy sometimes, and I just need to go cry, and that's oh. okay.
1: So. <laughs> Ain't that the god honest truth? So, all yeah. that say, I am I'm, I'm so glad, Vinny, that you are seeing the success. And have you done any other podcasts?
0: yet yeah so i've been uh i kind of went on a spree where it was like one or two podcasts a week and it was uh it was great and i told my story a lot and then i got tired of sharing my story (laughs) so then i stopped going on the podcast and (laughs) um it's time it's time to get back to it
1: yeah at some point you're just like okay this is podcast number 30 yeah broke my back sucked found this dude
0: Told me how to move my body. The end. Anything else? Yeah. And yeah. Because I'm assuming that they already know that, you know, they, they've listened. And so, right. m- one of my biggest challenges, and even it's showing up in the work that I do, is people like it's the curse of knowledge. They don't know the people who are hearing this. You don't know what they know. And so, you really have to be thorough mm-hmm. and lay it out every single time anything you're talking about anything it has to be explained i can't just assume somebody already kind of knows right when i say i broke my back surfing and move on it's because i've talked about my spine hitting a rock hundreds of times at this point but people are like well how'd you break it are you just a shitty surfer <laughs> like what happened
1: yes and
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes and that led to me falling really hard you know so uh i i yeah, I, I got to be very specific with how I talk, and and that's that's the work that's left ahead of me to do.
1: Well, it's kind of funny because we were talking about killing the ego moments ago, and and coming to terms with how to deal with negative, you know, publicity, negative comments, all that stuff. But you also have to just for the sake of the story, because the world we live in nowadays, Vinny, is the spokesperson for the story, right? Like y- you can post all the pictures of X-rays that you want but it's not going to hit as powerful as your story hit. And that's what just stuck with me with the episode that we had the old one. Go listen to it, folks. We haven't listened to it yet. Pause. Go listen to Vinny's first episode. Um, that story was so powerful. And it's almost like you went through all the things you went through the horrible, the debilitating pain, the being not able to walk or, or anything, or just being stuck in yeah. bed for so long. Like you went through all of those things you suffered in a way because that would help you help others to not have to live like you lived. And so as much as you hate telling that story and you're sick of it, it's almost like that story is a gateway for someone to find the relief that you found.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what's, um, what's what was really odd I actually, I shouldn't say it's odd because it, it, it makes sense knowing what I know and teaching what I've taught and having the experiences I have. Um, the more I started to tell my story and the more I started to put myself back into that place of chronic disability Mm -hmm. and pain, like nothing else in my life changed. But my back started to get like tight again. Interesting. And it was almost like I was bringing to life what I had put to bed. Huh. And when I would talk about my pain, there's a really specific course that I offer people. It's a 31-day meditation program. Yeah. And um, a couple days into the program, once I kind of build up really important concepts, the lesson is... Over-identifying with pain. Yeah. And when you tell somebody, talk to me about what's going on with why are we here? What do you need help with? What do we always hear? My back hurts, my knee hurts, my there's ownership, there's possession Mm -hmm. over the things that we're feeling. And when we're possessive over our feelings, we identify with them. And what is very true for a lot of people, whether we want to realize it or not many people sabotage their healing process because they've over identified with an injury so much where they actually will stop being consistent they will stop doing the things that they need to do that are getting them better because better is change and they don't know who they are without the without their back pain right that's so true and it's it's The more I started telling my story, the more I started noticing like my attention was on what I had not placed attention to for a very long time. And it was completely in. I mean, it was in my mind. Function was the same. Movement was the same. Training was going great. I had like mental flare ups, bringing myself back to those 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 really hard times. Um, So I thought that was fascinating to experience. Did you have to
1: find a way to separate the two? I mean, do you look at past Vinny, the story that you have to share of past pain Vinny, is it almost like you do detach it from who you are now so it doesn't affect you? Yeah.
0: yeah, there 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 was so much conditioning that that was me. I was Mr. Broken Back guy. I was this athlete that fell from the top. There was so much over-identification in the story that I forgot that's not what's happening anymore. Yeah. And when I was training, this really showed up for the ultra training because podcasts started coming in like crazy as my weekly mileage started to ramp up. And what I noticed was this voice started showing up. Hey, man, take it easy. You're a guy who broke his back like the story started showing up. Oh, wow. And even though I was fine and training was going great, I had noticed this like weakness start to come back of reservation and limitation. And, oh, dude, don't push it. Don't push it. You broke your back. You have no business doing this. The it, the story fought its way back into my narrative. And I had to battle that as training was getting really intense. It wasn't physical problem. It was mental again.
1: How did you overcome that?
0: A lot of conversations. I mean, it was it was self-talk. I kept having to, um, first of all, not resist that, right? When, the, when that self-talk came in, when that, that weakness started to show up, and runs started to become a negotiation, pull back, you don't want to push it, you want to be able to do this again the next day. And when all of these conversations started happening, I had to just let them show up not ignore them. That, that never helped me. Right. It's never mind over matter. It's always like mind through matter. So I had to hear the words that were coming up. I had to hear the story coming back and I listened and I was patient and I allowed all of that nasty negative stuff to come up and I was patient. And that is not the story I want to tell anymore. And that is what I continue, continually, had to say over and over again it was just tell it let's tell we're telling a different story that's one version of what's happening let's rewrite another one and we have to do it right now otherwise i'm gonna stop and i'm gonna walk home with my head between you know my tail between my legs and i'm back in a slum wow
1: well now since you brought it up let's get let's get going there what 50 miler did you pick
0: I don't know if you can see this one above my head, this 50 mile, uh, it's the old Cascadia, um, 15. So, so 50 miles, uh, through the Oregon mountains and 15,000 feet, vertical feet of gain. The, The course profile is insane i i actually i hired a coach a running coach zach bitter who's the world record holder oh yeah 100 mile yeah i hired him and i'm like who who better to guide me through than a guy who did that very well right right yeah and and i remember uh my first session um zach you know i really want to get better here and i I want to run and finish my first ultra and he's like oh cool i want to help you get there um what's the race share it with me and i remember sharing it with him and there was this oh there was this like recoil from a world record holder and you know he's so lovely man he was great he was kind he was supportive and also, there was this, I don't think this is a good idea, though. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> so uh, that, but I needed to see that, right? Yeah, I, I think it, I, I needed to see that to frame what is about to actually happen on this course. Um, so so that was great. That was great having Zach as a coach.
1: But my guess is that having a coach and having Zach Bitter be your coach, you probably learned some things about training and just ultra running in general that you'd probably not thought of if you just kind of winged it and did it yourself.
0: Crucial mistakes were made. Crucial mistakes were made by (laughs) myself. Um, I, it, it, everything that he guided me through was, it was the basics of food and water. We didn't really even talk about running. We didn't talk about distance. We didn't talk about really how to schedule that. I mean, I I had a program that I was following, um, but our conversations were not about that. It was not about injury management. It wasn't, there were some, you know, mental preparation things, but it was just, it was fuel. That was the basis of our training. And that I was fumbling my way through the entire time.
1: So what did you learn about fueling from zach bitter like your fuel plan beforehand was what and then it morphed into what
0: well my fuel plan was nothing before <laughs> okay and and when i mean nothing not only was it nothing but it was a different nothing every time some days i would wake up and i'd have this huge like bulletproof coffee high amounts of fat and then i'd go on a run a really long run yeah. other days i would be fasted for like 16 hours and then go on a long run other days i have like two bagels before with cream cheese and or you know it was just there was no method it was just eating with what i thought i wanted to eat in that moment and then going to try and pull a 15 20 25 mile run out of thin air so um the first thing was actually getting structured in okay Before we do these long runs, you're going to have a liter. You're going to have a a full liter of water. And within that liter of water, you're going to have 1,000 milligrams of electrolytes, sodium specifically. Let's start there. Then when you can do that, how did the run go? Was your experience different? What changed? What was better? What's worse? Okay, now let's time hydration when you're running here's what we're going to try to do 500 milliliters per hour how did that go we tried it with water then we tried it with electrolyte drinks what changed now let's start so now that the we have the pre-run hydration we've got the during run hydration now let's start understanding fuel what kind of carbohydrate sources are we introducing and at what times and at what volume how much calories can your body actually absorb before you have digestive issues right what's too much what's not enough what are the things that give you the quick you know burst of energy and crash what are the things that you can have that are more stable so before zach it was not only randomized but i would go on long runs with just goos. i would have my pockets full of goo and i was experiencing something I didn't know at the time, but it was called palate fatigue. I just got really tired of having the same damn thing. And when you're running for four or five-hour training runs, the last thing you want to run into is palate fatigue because you have to fuel your body. And right. I was getting burnt out of eating the same damn thing again and again.
1: I want to ask you about that water thing. So, so yeah. you're just like, well, we're just going to start the basics. We're going to build a foundation of of nutrition for your your plan. You're already doing your runs and all that did you notice a difference when you did that just run you're starting with water you're going to drink a liter of water with how many electri- what was the electrolytes in the water 1,000 1,000 milligrams, milligrams. milligrams of so electroly- one, 1 gram 1 gram of of sodium in the water electrolytes all that stuff did you notice a difference just in that
0: it was night and day really it wasn't even it wasn't even comparable so um let me backtrack but the long run before i hired zach mm-hmm. i was about seven weeks out of my ultra yeah. so i'm seven weeks away from this ultra yeah i hit an hour and 20 minutes and was spinning like i was nauseous i was dizzy i was dry heaving I had, and no joke, I took photos of it because I didn't think anybody would believe me with this. I had vultures not only <laughs> flying overhead, but landing beside me, probably some 100 to 200 feet away. I mean, these things were close. I was not doing good, and I was very far away from home. So this was a really bad run, and it was really hot. I wasn't even thinking about the 96 degrees outside. I brought, What? Um, maybe half a liter of water with me, mm-hmm. like maybe half a liter of water with me yeah. in, in a four hour run. Yeah. I, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about what we really need to have happen here. I was fueling like I wasn't an ultra runner. You know? Yeah. Like I'm just some guy going on. I like, whatever, let's figure it out. <laughs> um, and so when I hit that wall and it was a miserable wall to hit, I finally got back to my car and I need help. This, I I have seven, I've got, I think it was at that point, six more long runs until my ultra. Yeah. This is not going well. And we had the, we had the, you know, initial kickoff call. We came up with a really simple hydration goal to have a liter before one gram of of electrolytes. I did the same run, Mm -hmm no problem like it was all good it was amazing and i felt strong after and i went out with my friend the night after like it was just great it took me days to recover from the run that i told you about and this one just having water and electrolytes duh really simple and really powerful stuff gave me not only a completely different experience afterwards and a recovery time decreased significantly but i just felt strong the entire time there was no wall it was just me showing up and doing the damn thing wow and so
1: that's you're you're going into your long run fasted minus the liter of water and the electrolytes Mm -hmm. wow that is that's amazing and so you build on that foundation and that's got to be you know when when zach bitter throws down the price for his training plan you're like oh Fuck, that ain't cheap, and, but you're like, you know, he's a world record holder. Let's go for it. And I'm sure after that run on just water and electrolytes, where you felt fantastic, you're like, okay, worth every penny. Worth every penny.
0: I, I, it, it was worth every penny. I actually felt bad because I thought I got such a great deal. <laughs> you're like, is that can I pay you, you know, more? <laughs> and and what I'm saying, like, it feels silly to understand physiology the way i do Mm -hmm. and to forget how to drink and and how much to drink and also what is electrolytes and the timing of that like it's so basic and simple but sometimes you just need to be told that by by that authority source by that credit by somebody who's walked the walk you need to be told drink water you're not drinking enough at all and that's why you're sucking right now
1: wow and so you start to build this foundation, this nutrition plan. You've got your running mm-hmm. in place. What would you find like like food-wise? Because I know, and I don't know if Zach's on these or not, but I've, I've played the goo game and all of that, and and I found this stuff, and this is they're, they're not sponsoring. I, I, I pay full price for these damn things, and I think they're worth it. I discovered these things called uh, spring energy, and they have make this thing called the speed nut. It, they're all natural and they've got like it's like rice and shit in a, in a goo it's a bigger packet and it doesn't taste like birthday cake but they make like gels that are all natural and one of them has 250 calories in one pack which is like that is my hours worth of caloric needs that i've discovered um so i'm like oh where has this been all my life what did you discover food wise for you that worked
0: yeah, so I discovered that staying away from that stuff was the biggest change possible. Um, I leaned towards more complex carbs. I started having sourdough with um, with peanut butter, almond butter, jam, honey. I started to cut up sweet potatoes and yams into like long, like little little skinny skinny fries and putting those in a bag and just kind of gnawing on one and always be running gnawing on one i couldn't consume a 200 300 calories in a short amount of time i found out that i had to kind of have this long slow roll mm-hmm. of harder to digest carbohydrates because i was just tired of playing the sugar the energy roller coaster It was right. up down up down constantly managing goose and Burning through these things. I found that when I moved over more towards like cliff bars, a little heavier things, mm-hmm. sandwiches, potatoes, mashed potatoes, things like that, the things that actually gave me uh, that felt like sustenance, that's the stuff that made me stable. Interesting. And it it in a way, it in a very real way, it almost protect it protected the glycogen energy depletion because it was slow roll. I wasn't flirting with this like really sharp edge of, oh my God, I'm gonna freaking crash right now. Right, And running through wall after wall after wall. It gave me a stable vital source of energy. Um, I brought beef jerky. I had MCT oil. Like we're talking fat and protein, not the sugary um, things that that are being all crammed down our throats. Now those were great, in the really really far tail ends of the runs right like if i'm doing a five hour run i'll whip those out at like mile uh not mile um hour four or hour four and a half just as like let's finish strong my problem was i was relying so heavily on those that i never really built up a tolerance to have food while running and i never really understood how to utilize and train my own available energy sources I was using these goos for short runs, for hour runs, 2 hour runs, 3 hour runs. Right. I was making these shorter easier runs even easier by by introducing these external carb sources. I never really understood how to maintain and stabilize energy myself, and that's why I was gassing out and running into walls all the damn time. Wow.
1: And so this is a light going off at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean it was the first light was drinking Mm -hmm. and actually having a game plan and actually setting on my watch every 15 minutes to have 12 and a half ounces so that way uh, i'm sorry um what what was that math uh i had 500 milliliter flasks Mm -hmm. every 15 minutes was to have a quarter of those five so 125 milliliters um I had to set my timing and remind myself and take the guesswork out of it that I should be I should have this much drink by this amount in this part of the hour. And it was all duration-based. It was never mileage-based because mile, it, it, that was really hard for me to manage. Um, have a goo at four miles. I had to look at this thing as a duration-based. Right. Wow. So that,
1: you have to roll into this thing with a little bit of confidence, you know, knowing that seven weeks out, you crashed hard in the long run. You start this new nutrition plan, which is really starting to show results right off the bat. I mean, this is not something where it's mm. like, that's ah, not working yet. That's ah, not working yeah. yet. It's showing you results right off the bat. So you got to walk onto that fit, that starting line at the race, feeling pretty confident about where you're at, both fitness and nutrition wise.
0: Yeah, if not for making those nutritional changes, uh, I mean, that that would not have gone well. It almost didn't go well, but that for sure would not have gone well. So I think dialing in the nutrition, uh, mind you, I hired Zach, I think it was like six or seven weeks out of the, the ultra. Mm-hmm. Um, within two or three weeks, I felt like this thing was very attainable. It, it was just a matter of how long is it going to take? No longer was I asking, can I Can I do this? Can I actually finish this race? That was no longer a question in my mind once I figured out nutrition and hydration.
1: All right, there you are. Start line. You look like everybody else at this point. Got solid facial hair, good chunk of tattoos. You found your people.
0: Hold on a second. These people, I i mean, look, man, I work with bodies. I work, I've worked with strong men. I've worked with Olympian athletes. I've worked with a wide scope of physiques the people at this starting line i've never seen legs like these before (laughs) i mean the the joints looked just dense Mm -hmm. the the amount of muscle on these men and women it was just like greek god statues were walking (laughs) just powering up (laughs) these mountains it was it was a sight to be seen and it was cool being a part of them
1: all right there you are you know, but the gun goes off, and 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 the birthing process begins. You you know came there as a young boy, a young de, a young doe face boy, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed. And on the other end of that, you will be reborn a man. Gun goes off. How do the first couple miles of this race start to shape up for you?
0: The first mile was cool. First mile was good. And I'm with my people. We're all kind of chatting. Mm-hmm. It's good. And then the ascent starts. So the first mile is flat. Then the next four miles, it was about thirty-five hundred feet gain over four miles. Wow. About mile two, my legs felt that like they were saying this is new <laughs> we got 48 more miles I, of this i remember my watch the second you know every mile it dings with like the time yeah the second mile dings and like my legs are burning <laughs> <laughs> i could only respond with laughter I mean, it was just like this if this is any indication on what this trail is going to be, this was the start. This was the easiest ascent <laughs> right. out of the four different mountains that I had to climb. It it so quickly dawned on me, I was unprepared. <laughs> I was I, I had the nutrition, I had the hydration, I had the move, you know, I I my body was was good, like I had the movement capacity. I there aren't, there aren't mountains where I live, in the Santa Monica Mountains, like these mountains in Oregon. Yeah. There was no terrain available close by to prepare me for this kind of vertical, that fast and that hard. It just didn't stop. And within the first couple miles, it was just like a negotiation to get to the next aid station. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: You, well, welcome to, to ultra running. You got a real early dose of what a lot of people face in a race later on. Did you think that maybe those couple miles you did on the treadmill at the 12% incline would have been enough?
0: You know, I I went to I thought I found the most rigorous mountains around and I thought I was really like becoming Mr. Mountain Man. They weren't (laughs) mountains, man. They were like they were to me, but these were, these were hills is what I was training on. And this was a mountain race. Um, So, you know, 72 of us took off at about five o'clock in the morning, a good chunk of people are back again the next year because they failed their first time. Really? Right. So, so the, the tone is I've got a score to settle on this. Yeah. This course, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll take something out of you. And these people were here to scout us to settle that score. Um, you know, I, I, the, the hardest part about the ultra was the start because we're all starting together. I was kind of like there for my own reasons yeah. and in my zone and I didn't want to sprint to get away from the people that I was walking next to, but I also didn't want to like talk to them. So I was like stuck in this. Oh, God, we got to like have this conversation now while I'm trying to like just breathe and make it up this mountain. (laughs) So so that was I wasn't prepared for the social aspect. Um, I thought it was going to be like a really solo thing, but it wasn't for the first uh, probably quarter of it.
1: So, yeah, you're around a lot of people that want to chat, talk about things, and here you are trying to get into your zone and and realize that those hills you thought were mountains weren't mountains. They were, in fact, hills, and you were way out of your element at this point.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm hiking. I'm walking up this hill at 165 beats per minute. And people are asking, so what made you get into ultra ultra running? And it's like, not now. <laughs> Can you ask that question God.
1: again on the downhill, please? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, please. So you know, I, I I reached the summit. It was right around four. Uh, it was right around five miles. And okay, that's that's one out of the four summits. Good, I I accomplished that. The next ten miles were downhill. Mm-hmm. In my training, downhill is a playground. It's I feel like uh, the the elf from Lord of the Rings, Legolas. He's just bouncing and floating from rock to rock, and I'm I'm light and I'm sweet with it. I had not experienced ten hill ten miles going from sixty five hundred feet elevation down to like one thousand. I mean, it was just down for 10 miles straight. Wow. My legs weren't used to that. And I remember a conversation with Zach and I, as we were, as we were breaking down this course and he's like, that downhill is going to kick a lot of people's ass. And I'm thinking downhill's a strong suit. I wasn't used to running with the brakes on for 10 miles straight. All of my training was like, uphill a quarter mile, downhill a mile, up a half a mile. And it was like that constant shifting workaround Mm -hmm. that allowed me to really train long distance. This thing just hammered the same muscles and it didn't stop for miles after miles. So by the time I got to the 15 mile marker, after that first surprising ascent and what I thought was going to be me recharging on the downhill, I was kind of fucking done. (laughs)
1: and you're you're doing the math in your head and you're like oh my god i have 35 more miles of this
0: the math was crippling (laughs) the math was crippling and and that was the only way to put it and and this is like it goes back to the self-talk how do you manage this feeling the way i did at mile 15 and now knowing i'm not even halfway (laughs) i have I have, my longest training run was 30 miles. I have more than my longest training run ahead of me left. And I am like, I'm hurting. I need to sit down. This is not going well. Wow. So, um, you know, the the aid station, uh, I believe it was like right around like 13 or 14. Um, I remember sitting in that chair, just kind of looking at the other people. And it was just like, we all kind of had this stunned look on our face. (laughs) 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 This just, we just started right (laughs) um and by the time you know i I got through it and and literally from about mile 15 the narrative in my head was just make it to the next aid station that's all you got to do just make it to the next aid station the next one was like right around like 20 something and i got there and um let me backtrack really quick before I got to the 15 mile aid station,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I couldn't drink, I couldn't eat. It was so rigorous and so intense that much like if you have a really hard workout, the last thing you wanna do is go eat a sandwich in the middle of a workout. Right. That's what I had trained and that's what I got used to. And I was used to having these sips of water and this electrolytes. And I was used to eating all these things. By about mile 15, my I had a huge digestive problem. I wasn't thirsty. I for sure as hell wasn't hungry. I couldn't even sip on water. Like nothing wanted to go in my system. And that was before I even reached that like mile 15 aid station. So I I was running into a problem. And not only was the um, task ahead of me starting to just feel like a really heavy weight, but there's also the calculation going on in your brain. You're not eating. You're not drinking you know what happened before you hired zach the last run you ran like that i was headed towards for sure a certain disaster um as we start getting towards mile 20 like my legs are hurting like pins and needles which i hadn't felt before yeah. and i realized like i'm getting stung by bees one of the runners up ahead hit like a beehive or something <laughs> and almost every single runner had three to six bee stings so i wasn't also prepared for that <laughs> I'm not saying bees like right. I wasn't going to tap out because of bees, but right. man, right. it was like 25 years since I got stuck. I forgot what that's like. Right? It sucks. Yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks. Um, so nothing staying down. I'm I'm literally staggering into the aid station at 27 miles, and the EMT looks at me and he's like, "You're right," and I said, "No," and can can you like check me out? man i was hoping he would just say you're you gotta call it this isn't go. you're you're done right because you're was, you're was letting staggered.
1: him make the the, the decision you're like you know what i'm not gonna tap out but you know what yeah. if this emt says you're not looking good crispino i need you to go ahead and check this oh, okay only if you insist
0: sir yeah. hey you're the expert here <laughs> <laughs> who am i to say otherwise you, you um, and and you check me out. And he's like, hey, man, your blood, your blood pressure is really low. Your blood sugar is really low. Your blood oxygen is starting to get low. Um, what do you want to do? And I'm like, damn it.
1: <laughs> you were supposed damn. to tell me what to do. That's why I'm here.
0: You're, I'm the patient. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> um, and. Oh, God, I was so annoyed he asked that question because that's a valid reason to stop. Medical. I oh, promised yeah. my son I'd make it home. Yeah. I promised my wife I'd make it home. Um, and then I look over at one of the course directors and I'm like, how how much further is it to the next aid station? And he's like, about three which was a lie. It was five. And I agreed to three. Every, every step after three, my anger was growing because these weren't steps. These were fucking mountains. These were mountains again. So I am like having to, again, no food and water now for, um, some 15 miles cramping. I'm starting to spin. The trees are starting to move Like I've never had hallucinations and it's happening on this race. Right? Yeah. I her again into aid station at 31 miles and this girl who just ran the whole thing barefoot. I mean, maybe that's just a different, different story for a different time. Just freak of nature is awesome to see her. Wow. And all of her glory and power. Incredible. Um, she just so, so powerfully walks up and like hands me this squishy bottle of applesauce and this other very sweet girl who was having no problem with this race hands me her jug of ice cold iced tea because this is where the dropout was. So we can kind of, you know, bring yeah. bring stuff there. And the applesauce saved me and the sweet tea saved me. It was the first time I was able to have something in a few hours. From mile 31 to 37. Dude, I hauled. I, I was back, baby. I was ready. The applesauce well, saved, saved you. you. The applesauce saved me. Never, never thought of it. I, I was so tired of the foods that I had prepared for that none of them sounded good, but like this applesauce did. And I, I slurped that thing down, man. And another person got me some like chicken, chicken soup, chicken bone broth. Um, so from mile thirty-one to thirty-seven, the people that took care of me at the thirty-one aid station, I was prancing by and they're like yeah dude go 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 go. i beat them to the 37 mile aid station yeah and i stayed at the at that aid station for probably about an hour and a half i was done i mean that that was that that was the limit um at at 37 and a half miles all of that that runners high and all of the endorphins and kind of being at that wall and then finding that rally point, I thought I had done the impossible and I was convinced I'm ju- I just need to make it to aid station 37. Right. That's it. Um, I get to aid station 37 and I, I'm, I'm kind of having like a little like mental emotional breakdown. Yeah. Um, okay. This that was the furthest I've ever ran. I technically, PR. Every step at that point was the PR. Right. I felt really proud, and in that proudness, I was convincing myself that I'm good, I'm done. Yeah. And and then the question was, uh, how how much further is the next aid station? Okay, it's it's four and a half miles away. Um. wants dude, I was going to walk it. I had two hours to walk. No, I'm sorry. Let me, let me backtrack. I had two and a half hours to walk four miles. You can do that. Anyone can do that. That's what I said. Anyone can do that. Four miles, two and a half hours. Let's go. And I, 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 i hiked i walked as fast as i could i had to take stops every five i mean man there were some parts where it was like take a couple steps sit down and stop for five minutes get up go through like blood you know lo- leaving your head and being very like faint and noxious and dizzy. taking another couple steps and leaning on a tree it was managing step by step basis for four miles And when I was about at three and a half miles, no, I'm sorry. When I was probably at about 3.8 miles, just shy of that aid station. Yeah. I hit, I hit it. That was my, that was my limit, man. I started crying. No tears were coming out. I started to like, I was prepared for physical breakdowns. I was prepared for my body feeling like shit. I wasn't prepared for like childhood, like trauma showing up. Really? And, and I started to, okay, I'm going to tap at mile 40, 41. That's not good enough. I'm going to lie. What am I going to tell everybody that follows me? Who's been cheering for me and everybody who's been looking up to me? uh, I can't just tell them I couldn't do it. I, I got it I I got lost I ran miles in the other direction couldn't couldn't do it I I actually ran more than America you know I ran more than an ultra mm-hmm. I got lost and and that's a valid excuse me giving it my all was not good enough Wow it like it didn't feel enough I didn't feel enough mm-hmm. I had to cover up my effort and it was it dude it, it went right back to all of the times where like i actually tried my hardest but never felt like it was good enough and so i lied and i tried to make up something bigger than a, what it was because i wasn't okay just saying i failed right and i gave it my best and my best wasn't enough and i'm gonna learn from that i always protected my ego and i always tried to manage everybody else's perception of me yeah and i just started bawling i dropped down to my hands and knees i I'm, I'm fucking mad and i'm sad and i'm angry and there's nobody around me i haven't seen anybody for a really long time i am alone in this mountain the sun is setting it's it's getting very dark i don't want to be here at all and i just started to like dry heave like to to a point that I had never experienced before. It was visceral. It was full body. I threw up with everything that I had. Nothing was coming out. I had absorbed all apple juice and, (laughs) and iced tea at this point. There was nothing in my body. Right. And I'm down on my hands and my knees for some odd reason. I have cell reception in a race where I haven't had cell reception the entire time i call my best friend and i'm like i can't do it i'm done Wow! and he's like where are you and i said i'm maybe 10 minutes of a hike away from from the last aid station yeah as he's on the phone he's on speakerphone i text my ride and say be it be at the aid station in 10 minutes. I'm done. Right. And he said, no, you're fucking not. You're not done. You've become this, you've worked too hard to give up now. Yeah. Everything you're feeling. Cause he asked me what I'm going through, where my mind's at, like mm-hmm. everything. Uh, Daniel, man, I haven't had anything really to eat other than probably like a hundred calories of applesauce in the past. 11 hours, sorry, 10 hours. I haven't had anything more than 100 calories. Um, I, I had probably eight ounces of, of iced tea in 10 hours. Um, I I can't stomach anything. There's nothing left. I have nothing left. I'm done. And he's like, okay, that's one story. It's not true. I know it feels true everything you're saying i know it feels real but it's not fucking finish this race and i said okay
1: again now the story the, phone, the story you did not want to I, hear you were hoping he'd be like oh we love you anyway Vinny. we would love you don't worry about it you're still a winner Good job right yeah you, you you did
0: your best man and that's enough no he said it's not real pick, pick yourself up And finished the damn race. I hung up the phone. I picked myself back up. And I ran. Hard. To that aid station. I made it to the aid station. Five minutes before the cutoff. I didn't stop. I didn't say a word. I grabbed a full liter of Coca-Cola. Yeah. And I ran. And I Dude, I just started chugging it as I'm walking and running. It's all over my face. It tastes so good. I am consu- I am absorbing every ounce of, of, of molecule of sugar in this ridiculously sugar drink. My blood sugar spiked through the roof. It took... It took me five hours to cross that finish line from the last aid station to that finish line and to feel like I'm not enough to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm tapped out. I'm done. I've got nothing left. And to then have five more hours in me, it's the story, man. That's a, that's a, all the story.
1: Absolutely incredible. As you're dealing with that father for the five hours, that you thought you were been done five hours ago, you should be on the couch napping. As you approach that finish line, what's rolling through your head?
0: About a mile away. Um, well, first of all, when I when I made that conscious choice of not stopping in that aid station and sitting down, mm-hmm. when I grabbed that leader, like literally every step away from that aid station was like confidence. Like it now there's no not finishing. This is, this is happening. It, there's no way I'm not finishing this race. So there was like empowerment. There was, um, feeling like it was so close, even though it was one of the hardest climbs left. Those last nine miles had the sharpest incline and the highest elevation of the entire course. When I got to about three or four miles away. It was a big lollipop style, so I recognized the same tree. Yeah. I felt close. And when when I crossed this this tree, the first time all day, I look up and oh my god, the stars. They had they had I have never seen a night sky like the one that I saw that night. Yeah. I'm I'm in the wilderness. There is not a light for month, literally for miles. There is not a soul for miles. I am out here. I have just worked through the hardest parts of myself. I faced the biggest demons that I didn't even know were still lingering there. I'm out in the wilderness. It's 50 something degrees. And I just start howling. (sighs) Like howling like a wolf at the moon, man. I am yelling for everybody to hear me like, I am making noise. I am here. Who I am is allowed. My effort is enough. I'm good. And I hauled ass to that finish line.
1: Wow. Wow. So you cross that relief. You've now been birthed again. You've been reborn a man. Reborn. You cross that finish line. Was there a sense of relief? What, was, what were you feeling when you finally finished and you were done?
0: You know, um, it was actually underwhelming crossing the finish line because the change happened before the finish line. Like, I got everything I needed. I got more than what I thought I could have ever gotten for when I picked myself up at mile 30. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, like, yeah, I think it was at mile 30. Um, uh 37-ish. Like yeah. That's what I came out there for. So the finish line, the medal, it was just like, okay, this is done. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna have a beer. And it's gonna be a damn good beer. (laughs) Um I, you know, the other races, the first marathon, oh God, crossing that finish line, it was like my my comeback story, and I was crying and like it was just my my it was me closing the chapter of being chronically disabled for my entire twenties, a full 10 years crossing that first finish line of the marathon was like this entering into a new chapter. I thought crossing the finish line of the ultra would feel the same. Um, But I just stepped across it and got in a car and went home and, and I just did it. I crossed that finish line different. There was no, there was no release. There was no emotion. Somebody, the race director came up, you qualified for this race in France. How do you feel? It's like, good. And I'll see you there. Wow. And that was it. So
1: you got what you needed out of that race far before the finish line. You got you had thirteen miles essentially to to absorb what that race had given you. Dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was in the zone. Like, the last eight miles was that high of crossing that finish line. Every step was that.
1: Absolutely amazing, Vinny. What a story. You didn't just, you know, go out and go big. You went huge for your first ultra. Yeah. And what an experience. Are you a, are you a one and done Vinny? Or are you scrolling now looking for your next ultra?
0: Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, that's funny. So I booked a race three weeks after the ultra. Yeah. <laughs> like the race was supposed to be three weeks after the ultra. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was coming off of this high of being ultra merit. Like I'm now an ultra guy. Right. And I maybe ran three miles in three, I'm sorry, eight miles in three weeks, <laughs> but I was still holding on. Like I am, God's gift to running. I am a gazelle. I do not stop. I have the endurance. I just ran 15 hours. I can go do a half marathon with my eyes closed, dude. I died. I forgot how to run. It was such. It was such an ego check that like it was. It was miserable. It was. It was. It was hard. So I, I say that because I need to check my ego when I'm looking for these races right now. Yeah, I've got, got my eyes set on a race in september that starts off in france and runs through italy it's um 111 kilometers 15,000 meters of elevation um i think that's what's next
1: very very cool stuff vinnie and i can't wait to hear the story about that race because i'm sure it'll be life-changing again you seem to do a lot of life-changing things vinnie
0: yeah, uh it's it's quite fun it's it's powerful and and i think you know, when you spend 10 years unable to change your life, why not? It, like, why not now?
1: Vinny, I can't thank you enough for sharing the story. This was
0: riveting. I loved every
1: second of it. It's like I was cool. there with you every step.
0: Yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you for listening.
1: What did I tell you? One heck of a story from Vinny Crispino that is a heck of a way to run your first ultra. Want to take a minute? Say thanks again, everybody for listening. I know the holidays are coming up. Um, if you've got a runner in your life and you want to give them a adventure jogger hoodie or ask one of your loved ones for an adventure jogger hoodie or a race team shirt. Those are available at the adventure jogger.com back episodes as well. If you haven't listened to Vinny's first episode worth